This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story this episode. It's nearly June, so rainbow capitalism season is upon us, ripe for the purchasing. And Wizards of the Coast is no exception. It is, however, not terribly edible. Why would it be? Magic cards generally aren't. You're supposed to be able to taste the rainbow kit. Are they doing a secret lair Skittles? That seems a bit out of the way of the usual run and far more openly advertising than these usually are. And I don't think it would go over that well even for Pride. And there's no orange or purple mana either. Unless this is how they're introducing Barry's land, which may or may not go over well. You make it very difficult to actually tell jokes. You're supposed to make it obvious when you're using sarcasm. Ah yes, the grand tradition of the spoken sarcasm tag. Getting back on track, the good news is that the execution of this particular rainbow capitalism is pretty darn great. Secret Lair, Pride Across the Multiverse, features eight reprinted cards with all new Pride-themed artwork. Whereas the normal Lair benefits just Wizards' bottom line, half of the money from each Pride Across the Multiverse purchase will go to benefit the Trevor Project. And for those unfamiliar with it, the Trevor Project is a charity dedicated to providing mental health resources to LGBTQ youth. They serve as a crisis prevention center and are one of the top favorite charities of the magic community at large. Could it be? Alara Wizards has actually gotten right? Well, yes and no, but we'll address that after we discuss the cards in the lair itself. Diz, what are the cards in the lair itself? This lair has a lot of diversity and representation in its card pull. First up, the third ever printing of Heartbeat of Spring. This print features artwork by Peomishi that depicts the relationship between Sahili Rai and Huatli. Finally, the Dinobots ship is visible! Is that what that's called? Surprisingly, yes. Triumphant Reckoning is the next card in the lineup. Merlin GG put together a stunning representation of the hard-fought victories and acknowledgement of the battles ahead for the LGBTQ community for this piece. The third card is Savor the Moment, depicting the long-awaited nuptials of Ral Zurich and Tomek as painted by Kieran Yanner. Not to mention, some familiar faces in the background. What, no Niv-Mizet? And who do you think is officiating? Touché. Our next featured card is a longtime fan favorite, Alesha Who Smiles at Death. Winona Nelson paints a stunning picture of an elder Alesha helping a younger trans person learn the ropes of life. It's important to note that Winona was careful to include the presence of a chest binder on the younger character in the artwork, and her attention to detail did not go unnoticed by the community. It's definitely been the subject of many positive comments across the web. Representation comes in all forms, folks! Ricardo Bessa is the artist for our next couple of pieces, Collective Voyage and Bearscape. 
Collective Voyage shows Chandra and Nissa in a pride parade on Kaladesh, once more driving home the girlfriend's appreciation, while Bearscape has what equals the Onsen episode of The Lair with a bunch of larger hairy men. It sure does, Kit. The artist's attention to detail should be noted for the Bearscape as well, since Ricardo took extra care to show that one of the subjects of the piece has had top surgery. The theme of detail continues in the seventh card, Solring. Lauren Mayas put so many small references into this artwork, it's impossible to go into all of them considering we still have other stories to cover. These include references to Stonewall, four aces in the background, an incredible number of community pride flags, and more. Our last card is Mana Confluence, as imagined by Jabari Weathers, to symbolize the community's combined diversity and experiences. The Pride Across the Multiverse layer is available to order in both foil and non-foil now, and will be available through the entirety of June. Jank. Thank you, Diz. As with all rainbow capitalism, there are highlights and lowlights. So, let's talk first about what Wizards got right. The first and biggest of these is the different varieties of representation here. We see gay men, lesbians, and references to bisexual, non-binary, trans, and asexual people. Yay, Ace Rep! Ah, excited, are we? I am asexual, you know. Which fits perfectly into the multiverse because everyone knows asexuals are secretly dragons. I did not know that. The dragon part, I knew you were asexual. Well, now you do. These are the things that have people most excited about the lair, even more so than the fact that the current cost of a mana confluence is equal to the non-foil entire lair. Friend of the cast and regular MTG Nexus streamer Kaburi was so excited about the soul ring specifically that he purchased six each of the foil and non-foil layers, and he is notoriously hard to please with these products. Exactly. Another checkmark in the good job column goes to the fact that at least some of the artwork for the cards will also have corresponding stories. The one we've seen thus far is written by the widely loved Allison Lurs and follows the Dinobots ship. Vorthos fans all over the community have been begging for more Allison Lurs stories for years, which helped spread the announcement of this particular story like Wildfire. Another rare moment of the Mana Vortex giving something back to us, but as always, not without taking something in return. This time, what was taken simply confused the magic public at large. Access to the secret lair in Central and South America. When Pride Against the Multiverse was announced, excitement ran high all over the world, and people clamored to pre-order their lairs. But when attempting to log into the website in the regions Jank mentioned, people were redirected to the wizard's homepage. In a situation like this, one would normally guess that there was some sort of bug or technical glitch causing the redirect. But in this case, one would be wrong for assuming that. Most people think this is some sort of misunderstanding on Wizards End that for some reason these layers would not be accepted in Brazil or similar countries of this region due to a mature content rating, which is basically just not true. It's hardly the first time they've regionalized their queer support. That may be, but unlike some other countries where this has happened, Brazil has no laws about this. 
when no less than dozens of attempted consumers made their lack of access known, Wizards replied with a five-tweet thread that explained absolutely nothing. And just when we thought their vague tweets and announcements couldn't get any less helpful. Right? I mean, the only thing that could be fairly gleaned from the comments Wizard made about the situation is that they're working to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. But there's still no update on exactly why the lair isn't available in these regions, or if it's going to happen. It's going to let secondary market sellers have a field day, though, that's for sure. Provided that they're willing to pay for international shipping, that is. Good point. Speaking of good points, it's a good point for us to take a break. When we come back, a secret lair update that is totally unrelated to magic cards, more details about the upcoming mental health streamathon, likely discrimination, and more. Hello everyone, it's Jank here with a quick reminder in case you missed it earlier in the podcast. This Saturday, May the 14th, at 8pm Eastern Time, Nexus has the pleasure of hosting one of several pods in a weekend-long mental health charity streamathon to benefit NAAMI. Uh, you can donate to win prizes or just out of the goodness of your heart. We'll have a Tiltify link in the chat. Or you can donate to your local branch. All you have to do is just go to Google, find the website, uh, and they can point you to your nearest one. It's going to be myself, it's going to be Kaburi, it's going to be Wildfire, and it's going to be special guest Emma Partlow. So, the whole game promises to be just absolutely ludicrous, the best kind of magic game of all time. Um, uh, again, that's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday the 14th, at twitch.tv slash mtgnexus. Be there, or don't. Welcome back. One of the largest complaints consumers have had around the Secret Lair product line involves how it's packaged. For those who have yet to purchase or see one of these in person, the packaging is typically very large and contains a lot of unnecessary plastic and empty space. Say what you want about wizards, they sure know how to waste resources. I mean, they did pay Nick Kelman there for a while. Just when I was starting to forget... Anyway, Wizards has now decided they wish to put these complaints to rest. Starting with the shipment of the April 22 Super Drop, a new, sleek packaging will be used to ship secret lairs as Wizards continues their transition to a plastic-free packaging medium. It will look very much like a cardboard envelope with the Secret Lair logo and will feature a pull tab like one seen on shipping envelopes from your local post office. While this is not a perfect solution, it is a step forward, so kudos to Wizards. Unfortunately, as always seems to be the case with Wizards, it's two steps forward, one and a half steps back, this time with their employee treatment. Former Rivals player and current Wizards employee Carmen Handy went public with some concerning news regarding a notable difference in the company's treatment of herself and two other former leaguers. 
Eric Froelich left the Rivals League shortly before Carmen did due to his partner being hired at Wizards and a need to avoid a conflict of interest. When he left, he was paid out part of his remaining contract. Sort of like a severance pay if you need a good comparison. When Carmen was added to the Wizards roster, she asked for a similar payout regarding her own rival's contract, but this was denied and she was told that the details of her specific situation made that impossible. Thinking nothing of it, Carmen trusted in the entity that was Wizards and went on about her life as an employee. Unfortunately, she recently heard from another league recruit that he was given part of his contract payout in a similar fashion to Eric. Which prompts the question, what's the key difference between these situations? I'll give you listeners a hint. It's that she's a woman. When she spoke with her manager and an HR representative to discuss this situation, she was told the company could neither confirm nor deny the financial aspect of another employee's recruitment or compensation, but they could confirm that they'll be denying her request for them to rectify this situation. Just another example of how great it is to be a woman in the magic sphere. When are we going to rise up and take over the gaming community under the auspices of Glinda the Good Witch? I believe you may be mixing cannons here. It's a multiverse. There's an idea. Universes beyond Wizard of Oz. Oz is almost entirely ruled by women, which makes it something magic badly needs. Think we can have that? Probably not. It's public domain, so there's nothing to sell on its back. Too bad. Imagine the art silver shoes equipment. I thought it was ruby slippers. That, alas, is still under copyright. I guess you'll just have to try ruling magic the old-fashioned way. By getting an inkwell leviathan to swallow anyone who's sexist? No. No, Kit, no. Anyway, this is a great reason discussing your pay with your fellow employees is a very good idea, folks. Help fight back with your own awareness and knowledge. In America, discussing your pay with your fellow employees is a protected right. Although I've not yet seen a company that is willing to admit that. We do seem to have a general problem with obedience to labor laws in this country. Going public with this problem has resulted in an uproar in Carmen's favor from community members, both well-known and obscure. Hopefully, this support will put enough pressure on Wizards to make them give Carmen what she's rightfully owed, but unfortunately, I won't be holding my breath. Nor should you. On the flip side, our next story is one that's a positive highlight for the community. We spoke with Hobbs Q of the Goblin Lore Pod last episode about the upcoming mental health streamathon he's put together to benefit NAMI, and we've managed to reach out and get more details about it for this episode. First pod fires off at 8 a.m. EST this Saturday, May 14th, with each pod expected to last about two hours. Each game plans to throw a raid into the next scheduled pod, and there are expected to be prizes given throughout all streams. There will also be drawings independent of the streams and a mental health panel featuring Hobbs himself, as he is a psychologist, as well as Chase, a.k.a. Manicurves, and Skylar, a.k.a. Mythic Mebo. You can donate either via the Tiltify link that each pod will have, 
or directly to your local NAMI branch and send your receipt into Hobbs to enter the prize giveaways. Jank, you're in the pod that MTG Nexus is hosting, right? That's correct. We're scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will feature yours truly, Kaburi, Wildfire, and special guest Emma Partlow. It promises to be all sorts of fun for a serious cause, so be sure to tune in at twitch.tv slash mtgnexus once again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time this Saturday the 14th. Streaming looks like such fun. So you could just join us and find out. But that would mean talking in front of people. Kit, you're aware that's what we do with this podcast, right? What, are you worried your persona will break down in front of our ones of viewers? What persona? Exactly! Next up, we'll go to ISO to hear all about the new Capenna Championship plans. ISO? Thank you, Kit. Time for any World Championship 28 hopefuls is running out as we race through the competitive season. The new Capenna Championship, scheduled May 20th to 22nd, will be the final opportunity for entry and will have a player pool made up of 227 skilled players from all corners of the digital competitive scene. Days 1 and 2 will each begin with 3 rounds of standard play, followed by 4 rounds of historic, so no explore at this level yet. Players with 12 match wins automatically qualify for the top 8 bracket, with rankings to start day 3 announced after the final day 2 matches complete. The final day will be a double elimination bracket of best of 3 standard constructed games each round, with the final match being best of 3 matches. This will effectively reflect the same structure we've seen for the last few set championships. The top 6 players will have earned a qualifying position in the World Championship, and the winner will have a nice prize of $20,000 to brag about. This is the last event of this competitive season, with the next one starting up the return of the Pro Tour and Regional Championships. I'll be sure to give you all the highlights of the top 8 next time. Kit? Thank you, Iso. With that, we'll head into our next break, when we return in all new news brews and a sudden update to the Explorer Banned and Restricted list. Circuit on Kamigawa, and suddenly you find that your vehicle is down, or your speed bike is just not working. Well, come on down to Katori's One Stop Repair Shop and Slop Shop. We'll fix you right on up just as quick as can be, and we'll even let you get a meal included with your bill. We can fix any vehicle, big or small short or tall and we'll have it done sometime in the future from when you come on by it's a repair guarantee or your money back within five minutes of receipt come on down to katori pilot prodigy's one-stop repair shop and slop stop right down in the racing circuit On May 11th, the newest magic format, Explorer, was hit with some sudden changes. Effective on May the 12th, Wynota, Joiner of Forces, and Tybalt's Trickery were both banned. Wynota came as no surprise to anyone who's been playing this format, but Tybalt's Trickery seemed to have been a bit sudden to most of us. Wynota decks were showing a very high play frequency and win rate, 
which is always a red flag for those in charge of bands. Tybalt's trickery was banned due to continually creating a negative play experience. I mean, that's as good a reason as any, I guess. I've seen worse rationalizations. After all, I have visited some of Magic's less savory internet forums. And I've told you to stop doing that for your own sanity. But does that even qualify as research? Depends what we're reporting on. One key note about these bands is that Winota may not be permanently consigned to the Mana Vortex. As the Explorer format is continually pushed to Model Pioneer, the bands will be reevaluated. This means that Winota is expected to be unbanned come the release of Dominaria United this fall. Expected doing a lot of work here. After all, we've been expecting Pioneer Masters for the last several years. True, but we could still get it someday. Of course, these days it will probably be horrifically expensive if we do get it. Speaking of getting things, let's go to the brewery with another news bruise. And on this edition of News Brews, I am joined by the one and only Ian, a.k.a. Olka. Olka, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's great to be on. Sometime listener, uh, long time mod. <laughs> Absolutely awesome to have you on, uh, speaking of which. So tell our listeners what it is that got you into magic, how you got here, and a little bit about who Olka is. Okay, um, I got into magic originally back in Odyssey. Um, my dad actually had his college, we were in Chicago meeting his college roommate up for, I don't even know what I was, what, five to ten, five to eight or so. Um, and his kids played magic. Um, so I was a big Pokemon player at the time. And um, yeah, his kids introduced me to magic. That was about it. And then uh, looked at cards from here and there uh, onwards. But I really got back into it back in New Phyrexia, actually. Um, and since then, I've been a pretty avid EDH player, Cuber. And um, when modern tournaments are in the Twin Cities for me, um, I play there. So. All right. And then what was the other question? Oh, just... <laughs> Just oh, a, little a little bit about, about you me. and what you like as far as the game goes, that kind of stuff. But you don't if you don't feel comfortable talking about yourself, you don't have to talk about yourself. It's oh. fine. <laughs> Nick, you know, I, I can talk about myself all day. Um, <laughs> I am longtime player. Uh, and then also I'm known to be a DM a dungeon master for several of the mods on Nexus. And then um, what else do I do? D&D magic. And then I spend a lot of time with my cats, my two cats, Oakley and Vera, my accessories. <laughs> it makes as it we sound, like to call them. It makes it sound like you just like tie them to your feet as shoes. <laughs> uh, no, they're just named after Oakley's, uh, the sunglasses. Of and course they Vera are. Vera Wang handbags. Uh, yeah, naturally. You name your cats the- after an object that's close by at the time. Yeah, they're not the worst cat names I've ever heard, so, you know, completely fine. Um, <laughs> so, uh... So that's us, me. That's you. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about this commander that you've brought with you to talk about. Um, so I like to call this one... So the commander is General Tazari. Taziri? However you pronounce her name. I've always pronounced um, it Tazri. But... 
Tazri, oh, I like that. I like that better, Tazri. Um, as you will learn quickly, I do not pronounce things great, um, so it's what it is. But um, Tazri is the commander, mostly for the colors. So this deck is actually a four slash five color Zada list, Zada Hedron Grinder. All right, um, then. And so this actually came from a failed podcast we were starting for Nexus uh, with Admin, uh, Admin Kaburi and uh, Mod uh, Calvary Wolfpack. Um, we were starting a podcast called The Ristic Licid. Um, because who doesn't love the old mechanics that are basically not defunct nowadays? And um, the list, we were in the podcast, we were doing random decks built every three episodes um, based on a random card we picked up on Scryfall. And the card that we got was Spider, uh, Spidery Grasp. <laughs> and so we built a deck based on using Spidery Grasp and Zada and uh, Beam Splitter Mage, one of Kaburi's favorite cards, to make a deck. And then I eventually took this further and just made a full commander deck out of it. I've been on the receiving end of a beam splitter uh, or two from Kaburi. Favorite, one of his favorite cards is sort of an understatement. He, the amount of joy he gets from just ruining your day with beam splitter is, it is his favorite card. It is. Yeah. And, and the amount of joy he gets from just like wrecking your life with it is quite frankly, a little concerning. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kaburi, we love you. Kaburi, if you're listening, but seek help. Yeah, no, just get help. Stop it. Get help. Um, so, speaking uh, of help, what uh, what is the core, the, the meat and potatoes of this deck? Where do you really want to go with it? So, the big thing is to get Zada out fast. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the deck has basically two main sections of cards that are broken into two more sections. So, you've got your... Um, Mana dorks, so literally every one-drop mana elf that there is. Um, and then we have creatures that count on instants and sorceries being cast, such as Young Pyromancer, uh, Sedgemore Witch, which, fun fact, is the only mono the only black card in this list that isn't multicolored. Huh. Um, but we use stuff like that and those to make lots of creatures for Zada, which then we target Zada with instants. And the instants, and sorceries, I guess, are broken into two sections. Mm -hmm. Cantrip, targeted cantrips, such as Crimson Wisps, which if anyone's ever played a Zada, against a Zada deck, basically it's a target creature becomes X, Y, or Z, does gets X, Y, or Z, and then you draw a card. Um, which, when you start putting out 10 creatures, all of a sudden that one mana cantrip draws you 10 cards to then play 10 more cheap instants. Um, <laughs> and so part of this is the second section of cards, which is something that I've been the only one I've found that does this, is I play all those untap for an instant or sorcery spells at like one or two mana cost to untap all our mana dorks. Which, when you have six mana dorks out, you play one of these uh, instants, such as Burst of Strength, 
Put a plus one counter on all the creatures. Great. Excellent. We love getting bigger. And then all of a sudden you're untapping six mana dorks to play the next set of cantrips to dig even deeper into your deck. So it plays very much like a storm deck out of what shouldn't be storm components. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how all the best storm decks run, right? <laughs> no more are the days of tendrils. No, we uh we now use Lanawar elves and burst of strength to get there. Who's even heard of dark ritual when you have those masterpieces? Oh gosh. Dark ritual, that's not dark enough for us. Oh no, it's that's absurd. Speaking of dark enough, actually, uh you've named a couple of them. What are some of the other just like fun veggies that really help you accelerate your plans here? Um so there's a uncommon from M20 that really went under the radar. It is an enchantment for one in a green, and it's called Seasons of Growth. I don't know if you know this card. It's fairly under the radar for most people. Um, but when a creature enters the battlefield, it basically reads, when a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one. Great. But then okay. whenever you cast a spell that targets a creature you control, draw a card. Huh. So this is our backup Zada. Because if I can't get Zada out or Zada gets stolen or gets exiled, oftentimes you think, oh, the engine's gone. Nope. Stuff like this, uh, let us continue to just start running up again um, and dig for one of the other ways to storm off. And it's an unsung hero. It is the garlic to my veggies. Um, And then other things like Wild Defiance. Amazing un, uh, enchantment from Avison Restored, really? Wow. Completely yeah. forgot this was from Avison Restored. Card is now 10 years old as of mm-hmm. like a week ago. Um, but that's one that whenever you, uh, a creature you control becomes the target of an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus three, plus three, which all of a sudden, even if you can't storm off, hitting one or two Crimson Wisps on a on a random Lanawar elf turns it into a 7-7, which that's still a decent chunk of damage. Yeah. <laughs> that's so even a Lanawar elf can be threatening with a, with yeah, all that power. <laughs> yes. We love a good threatening Lanawar elf only found in elf ball and uh, this, this general Tazari uh, spicy boy deck. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, speaking of the spice, we've got our favorite segment of this segment. Uh, your personal spice or sweetness. What is it that you have put into this deck or that you just absolutely love playing from this deck to show what kind of player and deck builder you are? So one of my favorites in this list is, um, well, if you ever played against a Zada deck, this is a fairly well-known card, uh, but Kari Zev's Expertise from Aether Revolt. Um, so uh, it's a sorcery for one and two red um, that says gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn, untap it, it gains haste till end of turn. Great. Uh-huh. You can assume what that's going to do with a Zada out, where whenever you cast <laughs> Zada, you, when that only targets him, you copy it. I realized I haven't read Zada out yet. For those who don't know Zada, he drink grinder. Fair. Um, 
And so the second part of the card is the part that makes it real spicy. So first off, it's a standard um, threaten effect, gain control of it, untap it, gains haste. Cool. But then Karizevs also reads, you may cast a card from your hand with converted mana cost two or less without paying its mana cost. So with Zada out, that turns into a stack explosion. You think CEDH, CEDH gets messy? Uh, <laughs> I've once had, what was it? It was 68 instances of instants or sorceries and copies on the stack in just like a standard game. It wasn't even like the record. But it's it's spicy. It lets you just all of a sudden play more cantrips to draw more, or more things to untap, or all of a sudden you're playing a uh, Tamir Battle Rage and Berserk on all your creatures as they're attacking. You know, normal things. <laughs> yeah, as you do, of course. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> All right, uh, that just about brings us to a close. Um, people can find your deck lists at, in general and your, um, how should we say, somewhat spicier takes at the MTG Nexus uh, discussion posts, correct? Correct. Um, yep. Also, I'm. if you want more of my spicy non-magic takes, you can find me on it, Twitter, but... Uh, Link of that is found on my profile in on Nexus. All right. Uh, thank you once still. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you very much again for coming on and joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. And Alka's deck list can be found in the show notes. That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time. New news. Thank you.